So, we're back. We are back. ABC of Ita. ABC of Ita is back. How do you feel? I'm very moved. How do the people feel? Hey, they're very happy. They're also very moved. They're moved. Uh, we're back. We're all back. of our fans from all over the world. All seven of them. Yes. We say, we, we, we salute. From Australia all the way to Texas. Mm-hmm. And from the north of the UK all the way to... Canada. <laughs> that was not okay. the right geographical yeah. analogy. Okay. But we're back. But we're back, yes. This is our longest running project ever and our least successful at the same time. Is it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, no, um, I should, maybe we should put it in a different way. It's the least successful in terms of the how long it has been running. Yeah, like, exactly. Like the ratio. The ratio. Because <laughs> one can say, you know, okay, it hasn't worked. So you move to another thing. No, we will continue and persist. We will finish this A to We Z. will. And we are going. We, we promise. Very well. We are we doing very well. We promised our beloved friends that we will finish this A to Z. And we promised also, Peter, that we this when we finish, we will do a 24-hour special. Did we promise Peter that? Yeah, we did. A 24-hour special? <laughs> Where we review all the letters we've done over the years. I don't remember making such promise. Maybe I made the promise. <laughs> yeah. So we here we are today, um, not yet finished, uh, but getting there. You mean finish the alphabet, not the yeah, session? Yeah, the, the session was just started. Just started. <laughs> yes. um, the alphabet, but we are in a very good letter. After the difficult Q. It wasn't difficult, it was influential, apparently. It was apparently one of um, our most successful episodes ever. People are referring to it. Yeah, it's quite historical. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I wish we didn't include Al-Qaeda in the end. In this reference piece. But it's fine. Um, we live uh, with our decisions. Anyway, today we are doing the letter R. Yes. It's a very it's challenging letter. No, it's... it's no. It's, it's easy, <laughs> it's not conceptually. Very, it's not a very challenging letter. As a, as a letter, not as a, the beginning of words. There are many words starting from R. Yeah. But because of the different pronunciations, yeah. it's challenging. It challenges you to say R. R. <laughs> because, you know, French pronounce it like R. R. And Greeks roll it and Spanish R. roll it. They're like R. And Germans R. Yeah, there are like all these, the different same letters. R's. Yeah. It's very different approaches. And we ha- we all have different R's. And mentally, like, the, the British R is so, like, non-offensive, inoffensive, etc. Okay. So. <laughs> synesthetically speaking. Synesthetically speaking. Should we take a word? Yeah, let's do a word. I think enough with the fluffing. Um, you know what is the first word of the day? What is the first word of the day? It's, um, it's not very pedestrian. It's quite a big idea. Reformis versus revolution. Both of them starting with an R. Oh dear. Do we have to start with this difficult uh, combo? You know what? Yes. You, you've doubted that R is difficult, but actually all of the words we have today, they're quite complex actually. Okay. We'll see. Um, yeah. I mean, just, you know what? Tell us a few things about uh, how we approach this dilemma. Reformism versus revolution in our opera. In oh, opera yeah, by group. the way, we just finished, no, some time ago we finished yeah. an opera. 
we've made an opera. We've made an opera between the last time that we spoke to you and now. We've announced it on letter O. Oh, okay. did we announce or, or, it? Or, or, or fails an okay, opera. Okay, I don't remember. I don't um, what do you want me to say? What what how how we this like this is central in our opera. Yes, this is the main thing we are. This discussed. is the main thing. So um, I don't know. It's a very interesting time mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. reformism versus revolution. Uh, of course, like what we thought of radical politics ten years ago, um, like lots of the definitions have shifted. Basically, radical is another R word. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah so uh, essentially do does that mean that there cannot be a revolution because things have been corrupted by institutions well, this is the thing like you know everyone says okay like revolution is kind of an empty word right like not everyone but many people say that and like there is like a lost <laughs> a lost hope around revolutionary politics. There is a lost hope around like radical change of the society. But at the same time, it seems like like that things are so bad in many ways that without a radical change, we're all gonna die, basically. Um, <laughs> so essentially you're saying that it's a, it's a quite good time to for revolution because we have nothing to lose. Yeah, right? That's the right. whole premise. It's very Marxist. Like, we have only our chains. <laughs> well, y- yeah. But our at the same time... Um, iPhones. What do you think about, um, you know, Donald Trump and how he was in power and then now he's not in power? Things are really bad. <laughs> I was going to say, aren't they a little bit better? <laughs> well, that was like, you know, there was a time yes. when Trump was in power yes. where the reformist narrative, like, okay, you know, let's vote for Biden. At least he's not suggesting we take bleach, for example, right. to fight COVID. And then people voted for Biden. And what happened? Not much. <laughs> but nothing ever happens. I right, mean, right, yeah. But nothing has, a, but nothing has happened for a while. In terms of United States presidents. Well, I mean, even if we think globally, I mean, we are now in Athens. Like the Greeks voted for the supposedly ra- like radical option uh, like six years ago. Um, and Yeah, but then they didn't want that anymore. Yeah, and nothing happened. It's not a, and I'm not sure if it's a case of nothing happened. I don't actually agree with that. I think Quite. some things happened. And I think the the conservative power sort of went, no, I think that's not going to happen. Okay, this is quite the reformist position. That's the reformist position, I know, I know. Uh, that um, Syriza, which was the leftist party in Greece, mm. changed some things. Other people think that it means nothing. Okay, but in our opera, for example, yes. uh, our main character, he's the first Prime game prime minister of Greece. Yes, right? he doesn't succeed. <laughs> he doesn't succeed. <laughs> like it's not. There's no happy end in our opera. No. Spoiler uh, alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Does that mean that we kind spoiler of spoiler alert usually comes before the spoil? <laughs> <laughs> spoiler reminder. <laughs> yeah. 
it's fine. People can still watch it. It's an avant-garde queer opera. Yes. Uh, um, so, you know, it, it seems like we're saying that basically that's not the way forward, at least for like queer politics, or that there might have been a moment when this type of identity politics were important, like the power of representation, etc., etc. But right now we are beyond that point, and it's kind of irrelevant if there is a, uh, I don't know, a gay public figure or something. I'm not sure it's totally irrelevant. Right. I I think the question is how it's done. Okay. Uh, I mean that's the. So I think the, the, the quality of the reformism. Yeah. Because there are different ways to be a reformist, right? Like I guess there are different ways to do politics. I mean, you know, it's just because someone is uh, a homosexual, that doesn't mean that they're gonna be good, is, does it? No. And why should it mean that? Because. Uh, I mean, we're well not the in the sixties, yeah. But because the, of the anal, <laughs> the anal uh, enlightenment. Le- yeah. You would wish that, <laughs> that the anal enlightenment Personally, would be... Personally, I wouldn't even wish that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you would wish, but <laughs> there is no such thing as an anal enlightenment. Right. Um, on so the we contrary, we're seeing the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> the, the anal dark enlightenment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. We see the... The anal middle ages. I think we're pu- we're beating around the bush. But I mean, what do you mean we're beating around the bush? As if we as if we can find uh, an answer in terms of reformism and revolution. There is no answer there, is there? Uh, no, from the point of like. Look, I'll give you. I'll give you a. Th- th- there are two theories. Okay. My theories. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> they're contradictory. Yeah, they, they're, they, they're not. They're not contradictory. I have two theories. Have they don't. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not contradictory, but they are different options. Okay. okay yeah. So one option is that in order to achieve revolution, yeah, you need to have an ultimate shit so that the people get angry. Ah, like acceleration. Accelerate, like Zizek, for example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Trump and all that. Okay. Zizek and Trump in the same. Zizek was saying that Trump Trump will accelerate. Good thing because people will get angry. He got Trump. Where is the angry? Right. So that's one theory. I'm not. It sounds like I'm not supporting it, but I'm not exactly not supporting it because it's true. For example, if you look at um, the arts, it's true that the avant-garde usually thrives in really extreme situations of conservatism of uh, inequality etc etc okay so there is this there is the other theory that says that things can be pushed a little bit and a little bit and a little bit so if there is like a mainstream Mm -hmm. that says oh we need to do identity politics and we need to be good to immigrants and blah 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 blah, blah, social rights and and everything Mm. then the avant-garde can take that for granted and keep pushing further away. Mm-hmm. So that's the other option, and I'm not. So I'm not really exactly with the reformist politics as a means to an end, but as an opening to a door for possible pushing of the whole spectrum to the left. Interesting. There is this thing. Of course, there it's is a, there is a thing. There is a thing with. Um, 
social influencing, like let's say. Um, for example, what we learn from social psychology, your favorite uh, subject, is that really radical groups will never achieve their like you know targets. They will never achieve their what they advocate for, but they do tend to like shift the the mainstream narrative slightly, even though what they advocate for is much more extreme and much much more radical. So that kind of so ripple effects basically. Yeah. So that that kind of is between the two you've said basically a little bit. Um, not really. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not between the two. It's more towards the second, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just that you're suggesting that the that the and and I think it goes in circles. Like you you put out uh, an avant-garde position, then it influences the mainstream a little bit, then you put out further, further one, further one, and so on. Like for example, if you look at Greek arts mm. and fita, yeah, we have been fundamental in the anti-nationalist discourse of Greek arts. Mm -hmm. When we started, there was almost none. Mm -hmm. And now it's considered not common, but yeah. okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe it sounds a bit... Uh, delusional. Delusional <laughs> or a bit too much, or I don't know. But after 10 years of doing all this anti-Greek stuff, I think we have change the climate yeah i mean you could say of whom like you know of like 10 artists whatever m maybe it doesn't make a big difference but that's but what you never know that's why i said is in, in between the two because also now there is mainstream reaction to anti-nationalist art that when we started yeah there wasn't any because there wasn't any yeah exactly so like there, there is like an outrage um around these things um because the discourse has shifted slightly. Yeah, I don't know what is the answer. I guess the I guess the the the, the question has to do more with taking a risk to be to be living on the edge or not. I think you you take the do you take the nineteen twenties thirties Berlin risk or not? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it can lead you either way. Okay, let's let's listen to some music. <laughs>
What did you think of our first uh, word? It was heavier. It was a bit much, no? But I told you, R is like that. I mean, but people are not going to be happy, are they? Because it's it, they're going to be like... We waited for so we long. We waited for so long and you're doing this kind of not really very profound, but definitely not so funny yeah. session. What is this? It's a bit shit, isn't it? Speaking of shit, let's yes. go to the next word of the w- day. Which is? Religion. <laughs> wait, wait. There is a connection. It's not my very radical. You're not just being an edgelord. No, no, no. It's not, not at all. It's not about atheism or anything. Um, anyway, I think religion is really interesting. <laughs> But uh, I, should, I would like to introduce this word with an anecdote from my life. Uh-huh. 
Um, I was in psychoanalysis the other day, and I was talking about uh, this thing, this uh, childhood memory of being in the toilet, uh, and one of my parents opening the door while I'm having a shit and being embarrassed about this. That wasn't a dream, that was a... a childhood memory. Childhood memory. Um, and I'm talking about this and all the associations that come with this. As you might imagine, this is quite an important thing for me. Pooping. Pooping. And the difficulties around it. It goes back to the anal enlightenment discussion. Or dark enlightenment. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, my analyst like asks me this question. And I do like anosagonals. Usually I don't get much in terms of content. What do you get? Minimum input. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes cryptic messages. Yeah. Some questions, lots of questions, stuff like that. And this time I got something. It was like I got a heavy messaging, heavy load. So my analyst cuts me and he asks, have you ever dreamt of a religious figure having a shit. <laughs> and I was like, took me a moment. <laughs> I was like, have I? <laughs> have you? You know what, I don't think I have. And I wanted to, to say this story to, to a public, uh, Platform. <laughs> Platform. <laughs> yes. A, because I think it's quite a good story. But B, if anyone <laughs> has had, uh, have, uh, if anyone has had this dream or a similar dream, I would like them to send an email to us. <laughs> That's what I want to say. Call, call to action. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would like to engage with this. But you still haven't decoded the message then. No, it's probably something Freudian, like somewhere, somewhere there is this thing. But, uh, yeah, well, I don't know. This is what I had to say about religion. I'm trying to think if I've ever, ever dreamt of something like this. I don't think I've ever dreamt of priests, ever. Priests or, or like Virgin Mary, stuff like that. I don't think I've ever dreamt of religious <laughs> figures, ever. What would be like a religious figure to dream? I don't know. The closest Jesus. I can think of. Yeah, I, I have. I mean, for gays, it, it's Jesus. Santa Claus for bears. <laughs> Santa Claus is not a religious figure. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> he's, he's, he, well, <laughs> he's not. He's like a he's cultural a figure. He brings like presents. Just because he has a sponsorship. <laughs> He has a deal. Coca-Cola present. Just because he has a deal with Coca-Cola <laughs> doesn't mean he's not holy. It doesn't. It's it doesn't count. Because because if you if you dreamt of Santa Claus, it would be the Coca-Cola version. It wouldn't be the no the Cappadocian like episcope. I don't even remember what he looks like. The episcope. Like all the same with the long beard. Anyway, no, I haven't dreamt of either. Jesus. I'm trying to think if I've ever dreamt of Jesus. Jesus is sexy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That if you, if you're, because, because Jesus has something. I'm, I was trying to think about Jesus and 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 Jesus's portrayal in mm. pop culture. Yeah. 
he's steadily gay friendly, isn't he? Even in the Orthodox um, portrayal. I, I mean, think about. He has it. a six packs in the Orthodox. He's yeah, yeah. He's like he's like you know well built and he's, naked. He's naked and and he BDSM has, friendly. He has like this this like daddy issues long hair but daddy issues <laughs> he has this long hair but not not really the the heavy metal long hair he's not like hair <laughs> rock a bit yeah he's fun. more like Kurt Cobain isn't he yeah grand totally a Kurt Cobain kind of like the hair feels a little bit like it's oily mm. like it it drop it like it falls it drops like heavily mm. so he has this kind of it's from the heroin. <laughs> Survival, invasion, escape. Survival, invasion, escape. I got a reason for every drink I take. Survival, invasion, escape. We're back <sighs> for more serious discourse. That last one was a little bit silly. 
Yeah, let's go back to the R. Should we should uh, should we ask our audience? Heartlands. Should we do serious or silly? Serious. <laughs> look, I looked at you like we were waiting. Not like you should do a fake voice. I just thought I w- I felt the vox pop. So what's the next word? Um, the next word is relativism. Relativism. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay. First of all, let's what, say. What is relativism? You know, rel- what is relativism? When you know, um, I think as a as a as a term within cultural discourse. Uh, I mean, of course, we're gonna go in cultural discourse. We're not gonna talk about theory of relativity (laughs) (laughs) Einstein Um, no uh, in in the cultural discourse I think it came as a critique to the so-called postmodernism like uh, the so-called and the post-structuralist like philosophical turn um, saying saying that it's let's say 80s was it 80s no no but like saying uh, they would say that this is there is not one truth yeah, but like that that this is a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I this think it's a bad thing. I think relativism because as a term is charged says that there is not one truth and that's a good thing. Yeah, I think relativism is usually an accusation. It's like usually a critique. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There will be this idea that post-structuralism, which is this philosophical approach that they, says that there is no one truth. There are multiple narratives competing. And we should we should not treat even science as a one and unique truth. We should always kind of question, basically. Yes. Given truths, um, which was like a really great, obviously, an influential. That's not m- enough with post-structuralism. I want to explain to the audience there are people from all over the world <laughs> <laughs> not knowing what there is. <laughs> there are people we, from, there from are, Canada. There are, there are people from. From Texas, <laughs> no, don't ringing say us. that. <laughs> Our friends us. from Texas they are like <laughs> they're really ringing us, uh, asking. Roberto from Texas, he found us because he was googling John Kopczyk. Oh, I think he <laughs> he knows <laughs> what Derrida is. He knows darling, very well, darling. Anyway, so to come to today, mm-hmm. uh, this criticism, like from when it's kind of expressed by people like Jordan Peterson. It's kind of conflating post-structuralism and, and like fake news and everything that has been happening in the past 20 years, basically, and creating this idea that like basically everything that's bad is because of Derrida and Foucault. <laughs> yeah, not capitalism. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <coughs> let's, um, can I stop you here? Uh, please. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Let's do a little um, rewind to our to our own issues with relativism. Yeah, because we've been accused as relativists. We've mostly been accused of relativists as relativists. I mean, if we if we're accused of anything mm. that is re- of anything that matters. Yeah, there was not, a period that the, there was not a the people who are trashy and say that um, you know that we're not uh, aesthetically pleasing. This is obviously something that we're not irrelevant. interested in. Irrelevant. Um, but the ones that matter, they say that... Um, what about all those who say we're rude? 
that doesn't matter. <laughs> um, the ones that matter, they, they say that um, we are relativists, that mm. we don't uh, take any position. We've even been accused uh, by some mid-low quality academics that... Uh, Living in the north of the United Kingdom. Yeah, that, that, we, that we are, uh, you know, that that we, we we our position is so open that we might even make a space for alt right. Mm. I don't know something like this, and um, this is really really. I think this is really a problem because I can't understand why people don't see the very clear difference between not taking a clear position politically and not taking a clear position politically. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I will explain. That's why they call us relativists. <laughs> I will explain. But? <laughs> I will explain. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I meant that not taking a position because you think that reality is, is, a di is dialectic and that you know, we need to be looking at different approaches mm. is one position. Not taking a position because you don't believe that that politics are important mm -hmm. is another position. Exactly. Um, so I should say there's a difference between political relativism and apolitical relativism. How do you like that? I really like that. And I identify with that. That was really good. It was good. We didn't prepare it. I, it, I just made made that up now. Do you know that? Write it down. <laughs> um, but to the but people from listening, did you like this? <laughs> and and you know what? Okay, because someone can say, um, yeah, but how do we know yeah. which side you subscribe to? Yeah. And my position in terms of that is that you can always tell by through duration and research mm. um, I guess it's the same as one would say about Leibach how do you know that you know and I think Zizek talks about this how yeah. do we know that Leibach are not fascists if they do not say which position they're from and the, the Slovenian band and art group I like the fact that you don't explain who is Jordan Peterson <laughs> but now with Leibach you found the time uh, to insert the different little level. quotation <laughs> yes so yeah, people. So, 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 if you look at our work and our backgrounds and everything, you can probably tell that we are taking a position purposefully and politically. Mm. It's, it's the same with the reformist versus um, revolution question, right? To not take a political, a radical political stand today, it's foolish. But to fully believe that the political stand you take, kind of encompasses all all truth it's dangerous and foolish you know what i mean like to to not for example be like again like you know to not like embrace certain aspects of progressive politics to be stupid and, and reactionary but at the same time to not question these positions and not to, to not understand um the implications of these positions and not to investigate these positions it's like it's then you're just part of a i don't know a cult right yeah i mean yeah. Okay, let's go to a song. Yeah, I, I'm, I, 
I have nothing more to say. <laughs> Welcome back. Well, I've been thinking about all the things you've said. Really, really good stuff. All good stuff? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's going to be a good session? A medium session? A bad session? Medium rare. Medium rare. <laughs> so we have another word. Yeah. 
The next word is recycling. 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 I have lots of feelings about recycling. I would like you to make your feelings about recycling public because I think it's time that you are officially cancelled. Yeah. So I can be the only FITA member. Yes, you can be solo. Solo FITA. <laughs> I hate recycling. You hate recycling? Okay. You cannot say that. It's like saying I hate Jesus Christ. Okay, that's... I don't think that's so controversial. It's not controversial to say I hate Jesus Christ. You're, you have to be... It's like hating Kurt Cobain. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's like you have to be like... What's his name? The one with the, with the makeup. Marilyn Manson. Ah. <laughs> you have to be Marilyn Manson. He's really cancelled, by the way. He's, Is he's, he? He was like a terrible abuser. Anyway. Yeah, ma- you have to be Marilyn Manson to say, I hate Jesus Christ. Otherwise, why would someone hate Jesus Christ? Because they are of Their a different religion. <laughs> it's a heroin again. Yeah. Um, anyway. Recycling is not like Jesus. It's actually annoying me <laughs> more. Uh, reci- okay, listen. I understand the planet is dying. Right. Do you really understand it? I understand it. Oh, I, what, I don't what? understand it because it's like beyond human comprehension. Like, to what extent do you understand that? I'm worried. You're not worried at all. You're lying. I am worried about climate change. Why? For the people. For which people? Are you going to have children? For the poor people, it's bad. Are you going to have children? I know, but people I like will have children and they will have a terrible life. Tell them not to have any children. Anyway, still, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's uh, an okay (laughs) situation. Anyway, I want to focus on recycling, which is the word of the week. I used to think that it's really terrible that people should feel bad about their lives when there is so much like industrial pollution and stuff like that as years pass uh-huh. i still believe that you, you believe what that like you know it's a bit hypocritical that we kind of shame people for these like little things and while there is like industrial pollution and and there is no kind of you, we shame people for not recycling you mm-hmm. mean do we but do we shame people for not recycling? Uh, yes. Is it considered antisocial? Behavior? Yeah. Okay. Especially in Western Europe. Okay. And then I was reading all these articles about how. But like where? You mean like in Switzerland? In Germany. Okay. Because in Switzerland it's also considered antisocial behavior to like foreigners. <laughs> <laughs> in, Ge- in Germany, too. There is a weird uh, complexity there. And then I was one time in Germany and I put the wrong things in the wrong uh, box. box. And there was an old German lady, for sure, with connections to the Nazi party. (laughs) For for sure. In her youth. She was very violent (laughs) against me. And I felt really traumatized by this. Look, 
just because one crazy old lady in Germany didn't treat you well for not putting the boxes mm. in the right place, yeah. that doesn't mean that you can hate recycling. No? No. I don't like recycling. What? Okay, let's 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 think about it. Mm-hmm. What ex- exactly don't you like about recycling? Let's 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 actually analyze it in terms of your life. Mm-hmm. Do you dislike the action of separating yes. rubbish? Mm-hmm. Why? Because you take pleasure out of putting everything together that is not yours anymore and is to be discarded. Mm-hmm. Is it about your life and you wanting to throw away bits of it like easily? Mm-hmm. I also like you realize that's that's we're going now into the again Zizekian territory of how German people look at their shit when yeah. they, you know you don't want to look at your I shit. I don't want to look at my shit. Mm. You because for example mm-hmm. when you recycle yeah. and you usually have like a bigger box for recycling because yeah. you can do it more. You can take it out more rarely because you don't have so many like smelly r- rubbish. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate you that. can look at them. You mm-hmm. can you can actually look at the physical destruction that you have produced. I don't like that. You don't like that. Mm-hmm. You want to just like go like a, to be like a, a like a typhoon, <laughs> go through experience mm-hmm. without w- never looking back. Never looking back. That's what I want.
And we're back. And you know what time it is? What time is it? Do you know what time it is? I have no idea, actually. It is time for the Philosopher of the Week. Wow, blast from the past. A blast from the past. Uh, a blast from the past? Yeah, because um, we didn't have one last time we did it. Didn't we? So, we're back to our... Uh, Usual routine. Yes. And uh, my colleague here mm-hmm. will uh, tell uh, you a few things about... Wilhelm Reich. Oh. Uh, before you, before we start, I want to say something. So uh, we have this, you know, uh, document where we kind of keep notes about all the shows we we did or we will do. And I've made a huge list of like philosophers and poets when we started this project, like five years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. Four years ago. Okay, and I, I was trying to have uh, a mix of things, both in terms of subject and also you know, from different con- contexts and to have a mix of men and women for philosophy. Um, um, and for this episode, I actually, the name I've written was Avita Ronel. <laughs> and of, of this huge list of all these, um, you know, men, <laughs> she was the one who was counseled for <laughs> sexually inappropriate behavior. <gasps> was she? Yeah. When was that? Uh, it was like, couple of years ago and people like Judith Butler and uh, Jack Halberstam I think they've like they've written this like letter to defend her which was also quite scandalous for like the for the liberal kind of so so today you're, you're not going to talk about this person no Kala I didn't also like her work that much so okay. it's a bit tokenistic to begin with if she's also you know cancelled there's no reason <laughs> to be absolutely. so tokenistic <laughs> Yeah, you can go back to the to good the old good men. old like council. The good old men. Okay, so you're speaking of council culture. That are that are all of them are are kind of a priori cancelled. So it's I easier. mean, William. Okay, William Rye is beyond that. Yeah, it's it's not even. It's, he's it's the like, most cancelled person. It's like he's like the honorary honorary cancellee. He's like the 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 saint of the council because his books. At the, at the time he was publishing, they were banned in Nazi Germany. One. In communist Russia. Two. In liberal USA. Three. <laughs> it's like, I don't think many writers have achieved that. That's fantastic. It is fantastic. I mean, the work itself. Not so fantastic. Should I say, okay, lots of gossip. Should I say some things about William Rice's work? It, so why, why do you think it's a bit edgelordy? Is that why it was banned kind of everywhere? Yeah, it was like kind of also had the promise of freedom that was kind of threatening in different ways. Okay. Um, and it was about sexual freedom, actually. So his work very was very influential to all the sexual liberation kind of stuff and movements um and his idea started from freud's idea of repression we're all repressed but freud was like yeah we're all repressed and there's nothing you can actually do about it uh but and he was like okay no, no, no. So let's actually like do something about let's it. do something about that let's have orgasms okay and and why so basically i mean we have orgasms anyway yeah and um, his idea was that the more orgasm you have, 
the the more you kind of treat all these repressed kind of memories and feelings you have. But and also he developed his own orgasm exercises where like people would gather all together and do this uh like group orgasms. Okay. So it was it's quite like it was quite a religious kind of experience I think for them. And he created a little cult of people around him. And one of his and as he started from psychology and he started kind of going crazier and crazier as time passed. So um, one of the ideas he had and he was really obsessed with is like, you know, the same way as the our bodies are made of cells, of little individual, like little microorganisms, let's say, our soul is comprised by, uh, is comprised of little kind of molecules of organ, he called it, like this invisible uh, matter. <laughs> Well, <laughs> he met Einstein, apparently, who okay, we mentioned okay, earlier. Okay. And Einstein was interested in his organ machine. Okay. He even experimented with it. He didn't think it was something. Which <laughs> yeah. was not a good development for uh, Wilhelm. Uh, but yeah, Wilhelm didn't, that, that didn't stop Wilhelm from creating this organ um uh, how you say he calls them these like boxes that collect organ and you go in them and your body gets lots of fresh organ <laughs> ah so he was properly insane yeah i mean there are some of his books that they are not super cuckoo um but after he completely he started really focusing on the organ stuff yeah i think he's kind of lost it um and he and obviously that was the time when he got the biggest following yeah and uh, when it he, became religious yeah because it, it, then it became really culty um one last thing about Wilhelm Reich uh if people want to see more <laughs> i would suggest they see they watch the film uh wr Mysteries of the Organism. Ah, by Dusan Makaveyev. Yeah, which is a fantastic film, really, really intertextual. And half of the film is essentially a documentary about Wilhelm Reich, and the other half is a fictional story. It's a brilliant, fantastic film, and you will learn things and see people having orgasms. Great, thank you. <laughs> Sex shop, supermarket, synagogue, go go. Space station, psychedelic dungeon, disco. in the ghetto, Stalinization of Western capitals, pop artists, politicos, middle-class mystics, enriched with nourishing hierarchical power, 
sugar-coated psychopaths, syphilitic bureaucrats, fascist liars, vampire landscapes turning to dust. Bull rings, people's palaces, mixed up with gas bills, rents and rates bills, cheap drills in Alphaville's inverted paradise. Let a thousand flowers blossom and a hundred schools of thought contend. It's instant reconditioning in the monetarist wasteland. From Auschwitz to the Ritz, to heaven from the Blitz. Reactionary illuminations to the Sakura Satsang. Apparitions of appearances in Plato's ballroom. More new spectacle for the kaleidoscopic cash flow. Emptiness, nothing holy. The behind this journalists curb crawl like rapists. Radio sedation. Paper trivializations from Fleet Street to Gogo. Pacify the passions with product and ideology. Finish masterpieces. Become more raw material. Find Bottle Studio. Gallery, club, club or cop shop, or another branch of Woolworths. All the differences that make no difference. Arid with indifference, arid with ignorance. The giant holograms in the sky will announce the new conditions of subservience and joy. Cybernetic spectacle. What is subversive about love? Already know it. Take a look inside yourself. Beyond the concepts and transfusions. Brighter than 10,000 suns. It must be love. It must be love. It must be love. Ah. Hey, BC, your feet are. Halfway, yeah? Halfway, only halfway. What do you mean, only halfway? I thought we had um, loads. <laughs> But we do a really long we, show. We, we've two done hours. Two hours, huh? 
It's not. It's not so common. Usually, um, they're like half. If we started like that, we would be now rich. What? <laughs> if we done, if we were doing one hour podcast, yeah, now we would be Spotify top ten. <laughs> would we? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think so. I think so. Let's have another word. Okay. Because what we do mm-hmm. is closer to radio. Wow, that was like the worst <laughs> announcement we've ever. I don't we've think so. Ever we've had. done some quite bad ones in the past. So the word is radio, basically. Yeah, the word is radio, which is different to podcasts. Um, <laughs> we have faces r- for the radio. Radio. I mean, okay, I have quite a lot to say about radio, but mm. um, well. Radio is kind of from my time, isn't it? It's from, really the, from your time. From, from the, the early 20s. 20s. <laughs> yeah, from the early... Th- <laughs> yeah. yeah, when we didn't have any yeah. TV or something. <laughs> no, it was only the radio. No, I mean, <laughs> the radio it was kind of a bit more useful or a bit more... During the war. <laughs> something before the internet... That's all I wanted to say. Because how can you have... Without the gator, you go to the radio to find uh, hookups. Radio hookups? No. Uh, that I don't know. Um, I don't think that there there ever was that. Mm, radio, they, of course there was. The radio pirates, they would do like... Um, kind of special kind of... Um, meet Not meetups, but they would... What? Like you would have an ad... And you would speak, and you would say, "Hi, I'm John. I'm looking to meet this kind of person." Maybe I imagine that. I think you imagine that. Mm. I mean, I have placed an ad in the Guardian newspaper <laughs> to find a boyfriend. Yeah, I know it sounds like impossible to you, so ancient. But yes, you go and wherever and you, and you need you, to and go. <laughs> yeah, and you left your. There was like a special P.O. box. Yeah, and you left and you had your your P.O. box there and then someone would call and would quote the P.O. box and then would leave messages and then you would call and you would say what is your P.O. box and receive the messages. And, and it would be, uh, yeah, hi, I'm this person. I, I read your text. You sound interesting. And if you would like to meet, my number is this, Landline. Next problem, as you can understand. <laughs> I would be celibate. What a difficult era that was. The It's the also known as the hard 90s. Very hard. Very hard. But let's talk about radio. Oh, yeah. Um, did you, so did you listen to the radio? When I was little? Mm. Yes. I listened to the radio. Um, I mean, not so much. Mm. Um, my use of the radio I- is a bit indirect. Mm. Um, I think I didn't necessarily listen to the radio, but a lot of people who were a little older than me mm. would listen to the radio and then make mixtapes of things that they heard in the radio, and mm. then I would get the mixtapes. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that was cute. Um, well, the other experience of the radio that I have, and I think probably you do have too, 
is in uh, when you are in Athens and you take a taxi. And they're well, that's the most nightmarish. And they're always the listening to the radio. And they're if you're lucky, they're listening to pop music. If you're medium unlucky, yeah. they're listening to football. Yeah. And if you're very unlucky, they're Pol- listening to political discussions. discussions. <laughs> and it's like almost like a, a constant like backdrop, a constant like back background noise in Athens, the taxi music and the taxi discourse. It's almost like a parallel world and you tap into for a little bit and then you tap out and you, it's always shocking like what they say yeah. and what they hear yeah and, and you're always like who are these people like speaking these political shows i mean like, i guess especially and this is a really good example because we're talking about a medium which is sort of i don't know if it's dying but it's mm. It's it's always old people who actually go and speak to the radio. Mm. So you know you you were talking about people who would m- make a phone call to to talk to a show. Right. I mean that's In like itself. which post millennial person would do that? Exactly. It wouldn't happen. So so it's almost like you're yeah. It's exactly what you're saying. It's like this particular use of the of the Greek taxi radio and you're 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 it's a parallel world yes it's really interesting so recently this person died uh, Yoros Trangas he's Trangas I think I gave it a little bit of an accent and he uh, he was a very influential radio presenter in Greece awful person like extreme populist quite fascistic he was one of the first like mainstream people to host Golden Dawn members Awful, awful, awful person in every possible way. So he, he died. A good riddance. Yeah, he died the other day, um, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And and in his will, they find out he has flats in central Paris, central London, central New York, Miami, like absolutely insane, like fortune basically. And and people were a bit surprised. I mean, they knew he was well off even though he was always playing the, you know, people's guy. Um, he's a very Trumpian persona, actually. He wanted to start a party here in Greece. Uh, thank God he died. Um, um, anyway, but the, the interesting thing, it was like, so all these years, he he managed to get all of this wealth by kind of basically getting money from politicians because he was the most influential person to Athenian taxi drivers who are, Apparently, all Nazis and opinion makers that they because they speak to all these people every day. If you get them, you can get a message to the people of Athens very quickly. So Trangas was like the taxi charmer. Wow! <laughs> and the politicians would bribe them with significant amounts of money, so that he got like a really extreme fortune for whispering to the little greasy ears of the Athenian taxi troll drivers. <laughs> and this is like, um, they're all you know, Greek, just <laughs> to avoid people. <laughs> it, it's nice. I mean, I like your story. Very yeah, very yeah nice. you see? I mean, <laughs> probably people around the world think, oh yeah, well, radio is influential um, hmm. somehow. Um, and and it, it ends up in in places um, where we we wouldn't think, yeah. Although the the, the taxi drivers 
in most like no I don't, i'm not Euro- talking about the taxi driver yeah yeah, yeah. i'm, I'm just about saying other uses yeah of course the greek taxi driver is a it's unique thing because they start speaking to you I, that's what i'm saying like it's not common that you have this yeah chatty taxi driver yeah um but yeah you you were saying it is influential because yeah i, I guess it I reaches people you couldn't reach in other ways basically right that's what yeah I but think. that's like the tv does that mostly but le- different but but the, the the kind of people, I guess. I don't know. I, I like the idea of the radio because... The idea of the radio. Because I like this idea that you can have this TV reach, but yeah. without so much involvement. Yeah. Like the way... Like how, the, how it's different to watching a film and listening to a podcast, mm. for example. You can just listen to a podcast and like wash the dishes or something. Mm. So that's the less demanding it's it's it yeah it's less demanding and it's it's almost like you know if if you have the radio on it's almost like you have kind of a friend o- around yeah. um and then of course i very much like the the whole wave thing um oh, that it's the technology of the waves and all that yeah, you know yeah. i'm i'm this kind Hondolog- of ontological nerd so of course there's something to that i mean the whole like the noises of the waves um because uh, the more we move to the digital era eh, we kind of completely forget this like they become more and more non-apparent mm. um everything is is completely like like you don't actually get for example imagine if you you know you know how <coughs> not imagine you remember how when you <coughs> when you were downloading a, a jpeg and sometimes it was broken mm. this is the experience of like searching for a station in the radio mm. there was this idea that you know that it might not come through or yeah and i think there was something phenomenologically interesting there mm. in terms of the way that the information gets to you mm. and 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 the fact that it's like far away it's like unavailable yep. and you have to work for it and you have to keep remembering the the medium and so on um I'm not so I'm I'm trying to I'm, I'm mm. I, I don't know if I don't know what I'm if if what I'm saying sounds a little bit like I'm some kind of analog nerd but mm. I don't think it's just that I think I mean, isn't also the 4G and 5G waves in the way the 4G and 5G waves you mean you mean like when you actually try to download something yeah. and it's slow and so on mm. is that really that common mm, in our experience not. Yeah, and and actually, if you say that, um, yeah, when you go to your to the village, mm. you feel, oh my God, I'm like somewhere where information doesn't come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the closest to this experience that I'm exp- I'm, I'm explaining is the one you have very exceptionally when you go to the village. They brought Wi-Fi in the village. <laughs> now it's got Wi-Fi, so that experience is it's over. Devastating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. But it's not even just because with the with the 4G, 5G, is this idea that you know you either get it or you don't. Mm. There are like marginal <laughs> points. 
No, but I don't mean that. I mean like the information would not like the, come painted, yeah. for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it wouldn't be like text, but then the text would have different words in it. No, yeah. You wouldn't get mistakes in the letters, which would be fantastic. Like a letterist kind of for <laughs> 7G. <laughs> yeah. I would totally vote for that. But uh, but um so that's that's what I mean that 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 okay, there is um there is the kind of radio ontological charming thing going mm. on but i think there is also something to this this idea of of the radio noise mm. which almost has like a, a kind of reminder of of uh, of the medium and i think as we the more we move to the digital media the more we forget that hey this is like there is a transmission mm. and a reception Ah, and there is one last thing I would like to say. There was a time in Thessaloniki, actually, uh, where there was radio playing in my head. This is called being insane. No, no. It's a paranormal phenomenon. is well documented. I was I was in bed with a friend, and I started listening to radio in my head, and I was like. That is strange. And then... Wait, 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 wait. A song or a... A series of songs. And, and, and someone talking in the middle? Or like a DJ or no DJ? Uh, no DJ. And then... I, I'm like, Rissi, I think I'm listening to the radio in my head. And he had a little radio next to the bed. And he turned it on and was playing the same song. I was listening to my head. Thank you very much. <laughs> So we're back. We're back. What a letter. What a letter. The letter R. Very adventurous. Is it? No. Let's take another word. <laughs> referendum. Oh dear, referendums, huh? It feels a bit dated, doesn't it? It's a bit dated. It's a bit retro. But when we started. <gasps> we didn't retro. speak about retro. It's not in my list. It's not in your list? We can add it if you want. Um, a referendum. It was very hot. Was it three years? No, more. 
when was the there was like okay there was a series of big referenda in Europe and there were some for like the European how it's called like um constitution uh-huh you remember them yeah there was the Scotland one yes for the Scottish independence there was the Brexit one right there was the Greek one about austerity austerity and there were you know, there are also the ones that they do all the time, like um, the Switzerland. Yeah, then there is Switzerland. Should they build a mosque or not? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> should women vote? No. <laughs> should, <laughs> should we have more cheese? Yes. <laughs> we need more. Do we need should more? we have more pita bread? No. No. <laughs> should we have more fondue? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Is the water clear enough? No. We need uh, more filtration. <laughs> Where on the river? <laughs> uh, anyway. Is Geneva the most boring place you've ever been? Yes. <laughs> Is that what they voted in Geneva? They voted and they said... Should we all kill ourselves because we, it's extremely boring? Yes. This, this referendum was successful. Very successful. Um. And then there were like there were a couple of actually you know all of the all, most of the ones we've mentioned so far they've taken the more conservative kind of position but then there were there were a couple of Irish referenda that uh, was uh, there was one about the abortion I mean it's funny you you talk about the the, the position because yeah um one of my exes from quite some 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 time ago and a very a very progressive person mm-hmm. who really, 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 really believed in the referendum. Oh, really? Was really, he the, really, one of the Swiss experts? Yeah, yeah. Really, re- really, really thought that this is like, you know, I mean, I think they are, I don't know, there's some kind of propaganda there about how in that Switzerland. is the way, yeah, that is the way for direct democracy somehow. I mean, there is... They really believe, like, like he really... He, he he has very little good things to say about Switzerland. He's a very critical person. He likes the cheese, though. He likes the cheese and the referendum, and that's about it, really. Like everything else, he lives in London. So that's what I'm saying, that, mm. that it's it's something that um, many progressive people in Switzerland, at least Cala- some globally, time ago, yeah, they believe that this is the way forward and this is like better than other systems, Athens... Agora, direct democracy. Okay, you know, we can all see why people say that. Historically speaking, not always the case that, you know, we see great progress or progressive politics coming through referendum. By definition, referenda have two <laughs> problems in, in my view. Like one of them is you have to basically distill very complex discussions and issues to a yes or no question or like a binary two binary options are there referendum the, 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 the referenda that have to multiple do multiple yes like which of these five cheeses would you like <laughs> to be the most common cheese in switzerland <laughs> a comte b gruyere up until what we did with our performance in Switzerland, <laughs> I want to remind you. Yes. Um, this is the one like limitation, like this kind of idea of a multiple choice question to a serious political kind of 
issue which very rarely kind of reflects, you know, something that is indeed can be reduced to this type I mean, of why do they use them? They use them because they cannot, you know... They to exit some sort of political impasse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the, the other limitation, I mean, you know, generally speaking, if you, if you debate... With, like if you if you put a referendum about any minority issue, you know by definition the majority of people, you know, I, why would they support the minority issue? But, but why would you say that? Why would you say that? It's almost like saying that um, by definition, people are conservative. No, and, but it's, and that's it's not harder to. It's hard to see the minority position from the point of view of the majority. It needs a lot of work. And, and usually what we've seen in liberal democracies is that first, like this a small minority through lobbying will achieve some sort of shift. Uh, but maybe you're, talking, well, maybe you're talking from a perspective of your time. Right. You're talking from the perspective of a time where um it wasn't any more a problem to speak racist things in public um in 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 the UK when i went to the UK in 1996 even if you were a nazi there was really a limit to what you could say you couldn't say many 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 of the things that you can say today um, so we shouldn't forget that it's it's. I mean, I'm 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 slightly sub sidetracking, but we shouldn't forget that history is not linear. Um, mm -hmm. That uh, maybe there was a time where, you know, a, a referendum that had to do with the few mm. would be supported by the many because the many would understand that those few need protection. Right. Um, uh, I mean, I'm wondering, my mind goes back to Nazi Germany, oh, oh well. as one does, and I'm thinking about the whole, what did the people think, thing, mm. um, you know, like, the Nazi doctors say that we should throw the disabled people from the, you know, to the... I don't know. Okay, yeah. Yeah, to the fire or whatever. Mm. Um, what did the people think? I don't think there was a referendum about like some of the aspects. No, I'm not saying the there was a referendum <laughs> about the administration, that. But, but there was a legitimization of the of this type of a government, let's say. Um, because there is a there is a question there about I mean legitimization in what way, you know, because they voted for them. Um, the question, my question is, if there was a referendum, what mm. would happen? Um, and the reason why I'm asking this question is because really it's quite important to look into the, into the issue of do people really support the government that they've just elected? Yeah, I don't know. It's... Essentially, I'm, I, I guess I, what I'm saying is that I, I guess referendum, a referendum can, can help deconstruct some basics of democracy in a way. 
Well, there is one thing about immediate immediate democracy and all all forms of like immediate democracy. The the dimension of time and the, the like the, the immediate like kind of decision making brings forward lots of affective elements and emotional investments. Whereas when you have a more long processes of like parliamentary discussions and all kinds of committees, this is bureaucratic, of course, but at the same time reduces the, the level of immediate affect. Yeah, but that's like one side of the problem. Right. Um, because I think what you're d- referring to are the urgent ca- case of, mm. of a referendum. Um, yeah. Like, for example, Brexit, one-off. Yeah. yeah. You know, very sudden. It's a, it's a very good example. Very of, heated. Of something that went... Very emotional. That was fucked up because it was very heat, very emotional, very sudden, really not explained, blah, 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 blah. But the Swiss system says, no, we have frequent referendums for lots of things. Mm. Like, it's actually part of the democratic process. Yeah. So there, you cannot any longer use the excuse that mm, they don't work because people are unprepared. Right. So it's part of the political culture. Yes, in a way. And so when you see uh, a country voting against mosques, for example, Mm. um, the people actually voting against that. I mean, to have the minarets, to be fair. Yeah, to have the minarets, yeah. Um, Yeah, okay. Um, I didn't say the... They threw out of the country all the Because Muslims. you brought Nazi Germany in the <laughs> yeah. discussion. I just yeah. want to put this, <laughs> this asterisk. <laughs> yes. Let's be a little clearer. Yeah, when, when, when something like this happens, mm. the question that rises there is, is the problem that the referendum is a bad tool or is the problem that the people of Europe are Nazis? It's an actual question. No, no, it is an actual question. Is, are, are the people of Europe people that should be trusted for their own good or not? But I'm going into a heavily, no, but this, a heavily But this is a question. But this is a, que- but this is a question. This is a question. I agree with you in theory. Well, not in theory. I agree with you wholeheartedly. But like the, what the dilemma is not the people of Europe versus... I don't know, like uh, an enlightened, uh, enlightened elite governing who is very <laughs> educated and like platonic, you know, like having a, a group. Plato, of the, ori- ori- the original Nazi. <laughs> so this is not what we have. And we debate, oh, should we have the five wise people or should we have a nice democracy? The, what we have now is like a really broken representational system that is really fucked up in multiple ways, it's very corrupt, it's very inefficient, it's very like largely populist. Um, it's it's like there are all kinds of like things that already are not quite great about modern European democracies. So like is in this context, within this context, putting referenda on top, is it a good idea or is it a bad idea? Does it take us to a better place or not? Or also in terms of like what we think as an ideal uh, democracy, I, I guess there should be direct democratic processes. Should there? I think so. Yeah. Why? 
because because I I understand that this is what I've been trying to say that I think you find the problem with a referendum to be contextual, mm. um, which is a little bit where I was a little earlier when mm. I was saying yes, but you're thinking about referendum referenda in an era where social democracy has been corrupted. Mm. Um, but I'm going to disagree with what I said ten minutes ago, right? And uh, I am going to say that. I'm not sure if this can ever work under capitalism. Hmm. Why? Because you cannot make any good decision under capitalism. Okay. Is it time for poetry? It's time for poetry. Poet of the week. The poet of the week. I like the fact that we say of the week. Where <laughs> it's like the poet of once the every three years. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, this 
poet is one of my favorite. I really, really love her poetry. Um, it's Andrew Rich mm-hmm. from Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a fantastic poet. Um, and we, we will have her read one of her really, really... I usually poems. read them, but we decided for this one we're going to go with... Uh, yeah, with a really nice recording of uh, Diving into the Wreck, which is a beautiful, beautiful poem. Would you like, before we listen to it, would you like to say anything? No, I mean, Andrin Rich, um, you know, besides being a fantastic poet, she's also invented um, lesbian hair. Okay, thank you. This is the place, and I am here, the mermaid whose dark hair streams black, the merman in his armored body, We circle silently about the wreck. We dive into the hold. I am she, I am he, whose drowned face sleeps with open eyes, whose breasts still bear the stress, whose silver, copper, vermeil cargo lies obscurely inside barrels half-wedged and left to rot. We are the half-destroyed instruments that once held to a course the water-eaten log the fouled compass. We are, I am, you are, by cowardice or courage, the one who find our way back to the scene, carrying a knife, a camera, a book of myths in which our names do not appear. Very beautiful poem. Mm-hmm. Um, you always choose such beautiful things for yeah, us. Yeah, right. I am. I'm really happy. I think it's a really nice uh, selection of, of of things. Very different, m- many different styles. And but my music also is beautiful. The music is so nice, and so many people like really, really love to find. Like, uh, actually, they are always curious about like where you find all these things. Yeah, because stuff. I don't pick just the, you know from other shelves. Yes, yeah, uh, yes. Uh, Let's move to the next word. It's a, it's a triplet. Triplet, mm-hmm. all our words, mm-hmm. and the words might are be the first time we do something like that. At, at the first time we do a triplet. Yeah. Have you had sex with uh, triplets? Not even with twins. Not even with twins separately. You haven't had sex with twins separately. No. <gasps> wow. I know it's shocking to you. It's shocking to me. I've I've, I've had it three times. You have a type. <laughs> uh, my type is twins. Uh, one twin. <laughs> one twin. Let's 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 stress that you didn't have the the whole package. So the word we have, the triplet of words is regret, remorse, and repentance. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Beautiful. That's like a beautiful triplet. <laughs> Regret, remorse, <laughs> repentance. <laughs> Regret. Mm-hmm. The Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> um, so when we were preparing the show, you asked me. Do you remember? I asked you. Do you regret anything? And I said, yes, I have many regrets. And you were like, you can't possibly have that many regrets. I mean... I said you can't have many regrets, first of all, because I don't think you, you know, in order 
<laughs> to be a person that has a lot of regrets, mm-hmm. you have to be a person who also makes a lot of decisions. <laughs> but your life is totally random. Not true. Uh, <laughs> your life is mostly random. Mostly random. Totally <laughs> yeah, okay. random. I like the fact that you were, you definitely didn't want to accept the, the totally random, but you <laughs> had no problem accepting mostly random. Yeah. Anyway, I have... So it's almost like you're saying, I don't care so much about the things that happen, but I care about the things that don't happen. Or rather, you didn't say that. Ah, I actually did want to say that. Like, like my big regret in life... Yeah. Is <laughs> where I see your judgmental face. I'm not, I'm, I don't have a judgmental face. My big face. regret is that I, wa- I wasn't happier in my 20s. Yeah, but that cannot really be a regret because a regret has to be for something specific that you've done. You there know, were many that, or, moments or you haven't done where I chose to be unhappy. You chose to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. And, and I you regret, regret that. <laughs> you regret it that. It was a rather unfortunate series of decisions <laughs> yeah, look a regret it's not like you cannot regret 10 years you can you can regret like that evening on saturday night that i drank a little bit too much and i spoke badly to my mother Mm-mm. you cannot re- <laughs> i regret eight of the 10 you know, years you armando Yanucci that you like yeah. sa- says in one episode that at some point you realize that it was a moment where you took a wrong turn probably about eight years ago. <laughs> you see? This so, is exactly so. how I'm feeling about my 20s. And you know what? Because th- then you said you have to regret like certain events. Like no, You cannot regret being a different person. Because you're not a different person. No. I you, get you, you are not a different person because you are now the person you are because of your 20s. Okay, but that's such a cliche. And, but it's true. What? Are you, you, <laughs> are you suggesting that you are like, you know, you went, you became 19 and then you jumped and then you landed on 30 and this is what happened in 20, that your 20s were just, was just noise that just happened. No, that was, uh, it could have happened in a better way if I didn't make some <laughs> rather unfortunate decisions <laughs> anyway i have a big regret from yesterday you you, you regretted something you did yesterday mm-hmm. like it's an event actually yeah mm-hmm. what did you do if there was some snow in athens which is very rare yes a lot mm. of snow actually yeah we like fucking blizzard and i really wanted to see the snowy acropolis it's yeah, that's random. That's random. I was visiting. I wanted to. This see. is random. This is an example of something that you really wanted, which is random. It is not based on who you are, on the particular time, context, anything. It's random. Anyway, I live really nearby the Acropolis, so we. But not we really that near. That not you could really, walk. like ten minutes max. But I was, but I was. I had a Zoom call. So it's my flatmate. Can we go with a car? And we did go with a car without um, taking any. How do you call them? These things you put on the tires? I don't know, the special chains. Yeah, like this. Anyway, and when we were going, it wasn't, it wasn't like the streets didn't have snow. 
so it didn't feel particularly dangerous. But then, ten minutes later, when we were to return, all of the streets were covered in snow. So we you almost had an accident. We almost had an accident. And so you regret? I kind of regret that. You regret which part of it? Which part of it do you regret? Like having the idea and not saying this is a stupid idea, you know. So you regret being kind of a bit silly in a way. And, in, in, and, and, and impulsive. I, impulsive. And this is but the thing. This you, is the you, thing. I you think you do not have the impulsive problem often, do you? No. You're and that's why why I'm so really impulsive. I'm really worried that one day I will do something like that without thinking too much. And you will die. And then I will die. And as I'm dying, as like the truck is coming through that <laughs> snowy like uh, s- road, and I will think, ah, oh, that's bullshit. <laughs>
okay. didn't really say much. No, thanks. About thanks for the song. <laughs> it was it was needed because I was getting emotional. Yes. Um, but let's uh, reprise the triplet mm-hmm. of regret, remorse, and repentance. I mean, I don't know what remorse is. I don't think. Pff, what is remorse? Isn't it like the like the next thing after regret? It's like guilt. Yeah. It's a feeling, rather. Like uh, reg- whatever. Remorse is rubbish. Yeah. I mean, I think regret is rubbish. It actually, you have all. I, I, think I also have, have regrets, regrets, but very few. Oh, okay. Regrets. <laughs> well, actually, when he says I've had a few, I think he means he had he had many, many right? Okay. Yeah. So not not that. I don't mean that. I think I've had a few regrets. Okay. Um, but Do you want to share any of your regrets? No. It wasn't a decade of your life? <laughs> it wasn't a decade of my life, no. Maybe five years? <laughs> no, no. I mean, I Maybe th- three years? <laughs> no. Okay. I mean, I have metaphysical regrets. Tell me about that. Like, I regret the fact that my parents brought me up in a small shitty town. See? But I cannot regret that because that's not something I this did. It's exactly my problem. No, but this is a different thing. That's like that's why I called it metaphysical regret because it's not like I could have done something for it. But I couldn't have done anything either. But you, you could s- have done something. You could you you could you said that you were too miserable or whatever and you wanted to be more happy. Ah uh, yeah, I could have done something. Yeah, I couldn't have actually literally gone in another womb that lived in a bigger city. It's exactly the same. Like, oh, you grew up there and you are now fucked up and interesting. Like, that's exactly the same. Yeah. Okay. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that. That. I, uh, yeah. We still didn't have. I, I'm, 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 I'm thinking. We didn't add much to the discourse with this. Can you, can you regret this. something, but like also be happy? Yeah. That's what I want because I'm not saying time you want machine. To re- regret something. But also your this, happy this with is, it. This is what I want. This sober regret. Sober know? regret. It's like everything in my life I've done. Rubbish. Yes. I'm happy. <laughs> so remorse and repentance, completely false. False. Regret. But regret all the right. Always regret. About everything. Very happy about that. Yes.
I mean, I don't know if we can we can do the next word. Why not? Because it's beyond beyond the realms of possibility. Mm. You know which is the new the next word? I know what is the next word. That's why. But I'm the people who are listening, do they know? They don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they have some ideas. Ah, oh yeah, maybe. Well, the word is real. Mm. The real. Ugh. Reality or yeah. reality, not reality. Itchy word. We we said it's not going to be real. No, it's not reality. Not at all. The, the opposite. The real. The, the real op- is the opposite of reality. Yeah, absolutely. Or Jacques Lacan. Uh-huh. I want I want you to explain to our audience in less than 40 seconds uh-huh. why the real is the opposite of reality. Uh-huh, I can do that. My good friend, as my good friend Jacques Lacan says, mm-hmm. real is uh, what cannot be symbolized, what cannot be comprehend, comprehended, and what cannot be experienced. It's everything that lies outside of the... Um, symbolization process. That's why the trauma comes from the real, hallucinations come from the real, regrets come from the real. <laughs> so the real is unattainable. It's yeah. It's it's basically an an externality, kind of being produced through language by its exclusion. Here you go. <laughs> Extremely difficult. Um, can you give us an example mm-hmm. of this from your daily life? From my daily life, of course. I can give you an example from my daily go, life. Go. Can it include apples? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Naturally. Right. Okay, let me compose myself. <clears throat> What happened here? It's the compulsion. Okay. The repetition mm-hmm. exists within the field of the experience, let's say the imaginary. Mm-hmm. And I can put it in words, I can symbolize it through discussion, through producing text, through producing speech. But I can never really, there, is, there will always be a bit of it that I cannot access, and that I cannot really fully explain. And that's the real. Yeah.
time flies. Uh, not really. I feel <laughs> like it's been an eternity since we started. Uh, another episode is coming Almost, to an end. Yeah. We used How to record you? multiple episodes a day, which I, th- I think is quite crazy. I don't know. I mean, we were young. We were very in young. In 2017. It was before the great blizzard of Athens. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we've both had COVID. You know, it affects your brain. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. And the oxygen situation. Let's have another word from R. Yeah, the last word. The last word. So what do you have for us as a last word? On this R session. Role playing. Wow. What kind of role playing do you mean? Ah, everything. Like sex. Sex is the first kind of role playing association. What do they use role playing for? In sex. No, I mean in in other things. Um, There are all kinds of like, you know, uh, role playing games. Next. Like video games, but also in real life, they do these reenactions of things. Next! They do this in the art context. Role-playing in the art? Like LARPing. <laughs> Don't say that. We're trying to make friends with <laughs> some people who are doing these things. Anyway. Um, what else? They Don't they do it also to for like therapy and shit? Ah, uh, yeah, role playing as a therapy thing is big, big, big aspect. From what I've shared today about my psychotherapy, it's, psycho- like, it's like don't they say, don't they say, like let's let's like you be me and I be you, and then they, they do, do like couple therapy and they shit do, like they that. They do, they do, they do this. Th- does it work? I mean, does anything work? Does anything work? Okay, I've I've shared an anecdote from my analysis, which I think showcases that there are multiple ways <laughs> of approaching <laughs> therapy yeah <clears throat> but role playing is amazing in sex it's a very gemini territory yeah i've i've realized over the years that it's a very gemini territory everyone likes many people think that role playing is uh, not sexy they think not not role playing is not sexy mm-hmm. and why uh, I've heard uh, because it's funny. That funny. it's funny. Mm. And if it's funny, it's not sexy. That's one criticism. Okay. Uh, that is not immersive. It's another. That like. It's not immersive for some people. Ah, uh, because Isn't for the, it to, for the it production value. They need the, yeah. They they are Hollywoodian. They want better acting. <laughs> yeah. Better costumes. <laughs> yes. Like oh realistic God. sets. Like one time, <laughs> I have to share this story. <laughs> yes. Someone asked me to do this role playing, where I was the um the school principal. <laughs> yeah, you told me this. He's this British guy. <laughs> And I was like, okay, we can do it. <laughs> but the believability is really, really <laughs> low. Me in my like early twenties, the time of regret yeah. and yeah. <laughs> dressed up as a English <laughs> school prince, headmaster from the public school. Um, I did it. You did it? I, I think did I did well. Pass? Did it pass? I mean you know, I got the <laughs> with flying colors. <laughs> I got very good reviews. Um, 
Uh, he didn't call back for more. But, like, you know. So, maybe didn't pass then. <laughs> Listen. Yeah. We got to a good point. Okay. Um, but I think that was one of my very challenging experiences of, of role-playing, where I felt like there is... But, but you know what? I, I think it's a really good um, story, because I'm thinking... Um, why would someone look at you and think and cast me to this and role. cast you to this role? Um, it's interesting. I'm thinking it, it reminds me a little bit of of how this this guy told me that he wants to dress me up in his wife's clothes. Wow! And he did didn't want to dress me up in women's clothes or. I find the clothes or anything, anything, anything. It had to be that. He had to somehow experience mm. part of his wife through me. And I'm thinking about the same for you and your, you know, your hybrid. Yeah, he wanted to relieve the, the trauma of like of the headmaster like punishing through. Through what? <laughs> through, through Northern Greek folklore. <laughs> This is fascinating. Yeah, You're right. I think this is fascinating. I've never really realized. So, in a way, this is also like. And, and for me, that for me, that's that would be my major response to role playing. That it's not about, about realism. Yeah. Yes, but people are so not avant-garde. What can I do? Ah, uh, so they don't understand. How so it is about like. It is about the hybrid. a new experience. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. why sex then? What 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 about what is the role of sex in this? What do you mean? Sex is all about killing something, isn't it? Right. Good stuff. Bye. Bye.